Start off in uh, Romans chapter 12, and then we'll, um, once you get there, you can go ahead and put your, put your finger in um, Philippians chapter 3. And we've been going through the last couple of weeks this, this theme of uh, you know, renewing your mind. Um, as has ta- as, as been talked about here in um, Romans chapter 12, where Paul, Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, to God, which is your reasonable service. He's calling each and every one of us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, something that was going to be satisfying, something that's pleasing to him, something that's holy and righteous and good. We're to make that sacrifice to do that. In order for that to happen, he jumps over to verse 2 and he says, and do not be conformed to this world. If we're going to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, we cannot allow our bodies, our lifestyle, to conform to the world around us. We can't relax in the environment that we're surrounded in because when we do that, we become very worldly, very carnally minded. And he goes on to say, you must be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be made into something completely different. Be transformed into the very likeness of who Jesus Christ truly is. He wants you to be like him. And and that obviously requires a huge transformation on our part for us to become something completely and totally different. But be transformed. And all of this takes place by renewing your mind. So in, in order for us to be transformed, in order for us to resist conformity, we must adopt this idea of renewing our mind, a constant renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, when we were on the first week, we talked about renewing your mind. It means that you must reject and guard your mind against the bad, the garbage, the stuff. We don't, we, we don't want to feed our minds with negative messages that the world is throwing at us on a day-to-day basis. So you must be very careful. It's not something that you can just be relaxed about because these messages are coming in at you from every way that you could possibly imagine. The things that you read, the things that you watch, in your commercials, in your news feed, on your Facebook, you've got to be very careful. You have to guard your mind. Be careful with the things you put in front of your eyes and what you put into your ears. Because what goes into your mind influences who you are. It can transform what you believe and therefore manifest itself in the way that you behave. So you must be very careful. You must guard your mind. But also in the renewing process, it's not only about taking out the bad, but it's replacing it with something good. It's restoring something to something better, making it better, longer lasting. You want to fill your mind with the truth of the very word of God. And upon that, once you feed that, you have the knowledge upon which you can draw in order to make the decisions to live the Christian lifestyle that God wants you to live. So you have to resist the bad and also feed it with the good. Now, last week we talked about the battle within the mind. Renewing your mind is going to give you the ability to, to, um, to handle the temptation. Because temptation is a battle that happens where? In the mind. And however that temptation plays out, whether we fall to it or whether we're victorious over it, always manifests itself in our behavior, in our actions. It's played out there. The decision is made here, but however the action is done, um, whichever one is victorious, is what actually comes out in our behavior. So renewing our mind is something that we really have to 
um, you know, take part in, something we have to actively um, pursue in our Christian life if we want that transformation that Paul is talking about. If we want to live our lives as a sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, we must renew our minds. In order to handle temptation, it requires a renewal of our minds. In order to handle temptation, is what we're going to be talking about today, you must experience spiritual growth. Renewing your mind is growing spiritually. Now, God's desire for each and every one of us as Christians, as his children, he has a desire that we grow in our walk with him. He wants us to go degree by degree, constantly becoming more and more like Jesus, becoming a better and better Christian. In all areas of our lives, whatever that may be, he wants a continual progression of a transformation in our lives. He wants that transformation to take place on a day-to-day basis. The relationship with our, with our Heavenly Father is very much like any other relationship that we have here. Obviously, it's a much better relationship. It should take priority. But in order for a relationship to build and to flourish and to, and to be stronger, it requires attention on a day-to-day basis. Whether that's in marriage, whether that's a friendship, whether that's, whether that's um, any other type of relationship that you may have. You have to work on that relationship to make it better and stronger. Our relationships don't get better just by leaving them alone. As a matter of fact, if we ignore our relationships, they tend to deteriorate. The same with your relationship with your Heavenly Father. If you ignore it, it will deteriorate. We want to continually grow in this, and that's why it takes a constant renewing of our mind to transform ourselves to be like Jesus in a constant step upward to being Christ-like. So when it comes to your spiritual life, if you just kind of think about it for a moment, what is, your, what is your spiritual life like? Is it more like an escalator? Is it like a roller coaster or like a conveyor belt? Is it constantly going up in one direction or down? Is it just kind of like all over the place, depending on your situation around you, determines how your relationship is with God? If things are going good in life, then yes, you feel good and God's good and all those things. But whenever it's things in, in your life are down, you just kind of question, you know, God, where are you? Or is it a conveyor belt just kind of coasting through? Or is it like an escalator always rising up? You know, if there's ever a point that you can look back and say, you know, there was a time where I was really close to God, you know, there's, that's, that's what we talked about, I guess, several weeks ago when we were talking about being backslidden. Growing spiritually is a desire of our Heavenly Father to come closer and closer to Him. And the closer and closer we become to Him, the tighter that bond, the constant renewing will manifest itself in a transition, which is a transformation that is talked about in Romans chapter 12. That is our desire. That should be our desire, which brings us to our very first point. Growing spiritually requires a daily desire and a decision to be devoted to Jesus Christ. And the first thing we're going to be talking about is it's a desire. So let's go ahead and open to Philippians chapter 10. So Philippians chapter 10, excuse me, 3 and verse 10. If you found Philippians 10 in your Bible, you need to get a new Bible. (laughs) All right, so Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Actually, let's go ahead and back up to verse 7 because this all ties in. So verse 7 says, "But, But what things were gain to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press forward to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. The first thing we need to have an understanding is, is that when it comes to growing spiritually, it must be a desire. Growing spiritually is a desire that we have to know Christ better. Now, I believe that in, in the heart of all Christians and all children of God, there is a desire for us to continually get closer and closer to God. When we read through the scriptures and we see the relationships that are there and the expressions that the writers make about, about their God and the relationship that they have with them and the, the possible scenario that we can have that relationship is something that you know, we long for, maybe even envy of these, of these writers. And we see there's a possibility and we want to gain that, we want to gain that type of a relationship or even by the testimony of other Christians um, around us who really speak like, who really speak of the relationship with God and, they've really, and, and the way they express it, you can see their dependency truly is on him. And they seem to have a peace about them and an understanding that kind of goes beyond what we even have. And we have a desire to want that. Growing spiritually comes from a desire. Do you desire to have that relationship with Jesus? Starting in verse 7 again, it says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ, jumping to verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul's expressing a desire that I may know him. He, wants, he has a desire, and we should also have that desire. The beginning of your spiritual growth, the renewing of your mind, is birthed in having a passion and a desire to know Christ in a deeper way. Do we have that desire to know Christ in a deeper way? Does that desire trump the other desires of our hearts? Or do the other desires tend to trump our relationship with Christ when we push God off to the back burner? When we choose to do other things rather than spending time with him, when we choose knowing that this, this, this should be a priority, I know reading the word of God should be a priority in my life. I know I should do it every day. I know I should be absorbed in the word for at least a short amount of time throughout my day. I know I should do that, but does your desire for that go above and beyond a few extra minutes of sleep or, 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 your, or your favorite hobby or your favorite pastime or your other passions? That's where it's going to have to take place is your desire for Christ above and beyond anything else. Now, Paul says this, but what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. He counted them as rubbish that he may gain 
Christ. He had things into perspective. He said, it didn't matter whatever I lost, whatever price I had to pay, whatever it took to, for me to have a, a good, strong relationship with Jesus Christ, it was worth the payment that I had to make. And it was the desire of his heart to know Christ in a much more deep, loving way. To have a passion means to have deep love, deeply valuing or caring for someone or something. Do you have that passion for your relationship in Jesus Christ. It, re it requires a deep sacrifice, a willingness to do anything for something. And though we may have those things, and we may say that, yes, I'm willing to do that. I, would, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's worth any, any price I must pay to have a strong relationship with Christ because then having a strong relationship with Christ would greatly impact my life and the behavior around me. And those people who live in my circle, it would impact them. And then in turn, it would, it would affect those people's lives around them. So we, under, we have an understanding that, yes, it would be worth it, but does it actually bring us down to a point of being completely and sold out and actually bring it into action? It comes from the desire. What are your heart's strongest desires? If you have a desire to, to serve Christ and to grow closer to him, you need to make that your priority. But whenever we look at different passions... The question we need to ask, I mean, there's different things that we're passionate about. And I can give you my Sunday school answer. Yes, I'm extremely passionate about pastoring First Baptist Church. I really am. But I do have other passions. You know, serving Christ, sometimes getting away of my other passions. But then I've got to make a conscious decision as far as which one I'm going to make, pri make a priority. Am I willing to cut out the other stuff in order to spend more time with God? I should, right? So we should do those things. But what are the passions that we have? Do we have a passion to truly know him? Do we have a passion to live as Jesus would? And does it take priority? Not only do we have a passion, but do we, have, do we make it a priority? I like what David said in Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4. It says, one thing have I desired. One thing I have desired that I will seek. Now, this is what David said. The one thing that I desired of the Lord. If I could ask anything of God, this would be it. The one thing that I will seek is this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David had it right, didn't he? Yeah. If he could ask one thing of God, it would be what? More God. I want more of you. So growing spiritually, the part of our spiritual and our mind renewal, it comes from a desire. It must be a desire of our hearts that trumps all, all others. Do you have that desire? Having passion for God is the beginning of spiritual growth. It's the beginning of renewing your mind. Secondly, growing spiritually must be a daily decision. Growing spiritually requires a decision of the will. It's a decision that you make every day. You will choose if you want to grow spiritually. Your spiritual development, your spiritual growth is up to you. It's your personal responsibility to get in the word and to and actually absorb it and to spend time with Christ so you can be more like him. It doesn't lay on me. It doesn't fall on me. Though I am your pastor, it's not, it's not my personal responsibility to spiritually grow you. I'm here to help and to guide and to equip you for those things. But however, your spiritual development, your spiritual growth is actually personally, uh, you're personally responsible for that. 
And we've got to make a daily decision to make sure that we feed that, continually renew our minds to have that transformation to be more like Christ. In, in, verse, in verse 12, it says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Notice he says, I press on, and in verse 13, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and continue to reach forward. And in verse 14, he says, I press toward. Notice this isn't just a relaxed position that Paul is taking here. Paul is expressing an extreme effort that he puts forward in order to gain that prize. He says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I press forward in doing that. He says, I do forget those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. This is a conscious effort and a decision that Paul is making in an understanding that it's going to require effort for him to get to that point that he's trying to strive for. He also wrote in 2 Timothy 2.15 to strive with all diligence, strive to show yourself approved unto God. A workman does not need to be ashamed when he rightfully um, uh, divides the word of truth. He says you must strive for it. Intense labor and extreme effort to go for that, for that prize. But it's a, it, is a, it is a daily decision that we must make. Pressing on, reaching forward, pressing forward. It implies that daily decision. But notice what he says here. He has a, he has a very sober-minded um, thought here about himself. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Remember back in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3? When we're talking about, this, about, the, about the, uh, the living sacrifice and needing that transformation in verse 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly. If we ever think that we've reached a point where we have attained perfection and we no longer need growth, it's time to start thinking soberly, right? Once you've, once you've attained the level of the Apostle Paul, guess what? He even said, look, I have not attained perfection. And, we, and we, we consider him to be the greatest missionary and evangelist who's ever lived. And he's still impacting people's lives by the writings that he's given to these different churches. So we have to understand we have, we have never attained the fullness of perfection or Christ-likeness. So therefore, it requires us to make a daily decision to continually be transformed by the renewing of our mind to be more and more like Christ-like even to the very day that we pass on or Jesus Christ comes back. We press toward that mark. Though we know we're not going to reach that mark of perfection, but it's something for which we strive for, we keep pressing for, and we want to continue to go for what Jesus Christ has called us to do. The Christian life is not attained instantaneously. It's not something that's as soon as you receive Christ as your personal Savior, you're perfected. No, that's not the way it is, but you are going to, going to be in heaven forever. That's one thing that's set in stone, but your spiritual growth has just began. This is something that you must continue to nourish. You must continue to go. It's not something that we that we do. I mean, it's, it's a marathon. It's not an instantaneous um, reaction, but it's something that we continually do. It's a process of growth throughout our entire lives. And we must be careful to think that there's ever a point in which we get to that we cannot continue to learn from what the Word of God t He teaches us. 
we must have a sober-minded thought. We must continually renew our mind to continually grow spiritually. It's just like anything else. If you want to have spiritual growth, if you want to be more like Christ-like, you'll have to make decisions in order for that to happen. If you want to be a runner, what do you have to do? If you want to be a runner, you've got to be willing to um, every day do the requirements and what it takes to be um, a runner. You've got to get out of bed, you've got to put the shoes on, and you've got to hit the, the astroturf. And you've got to run. You make the decision whether, whether you feel like it or not. You've got to do it. It's something that we just make a daily decision in order for us to reach that goal of becoming a runner. Those of you who are gardeners and like, like growing a garden or whatever it's plants, that's something that you can't just leave out there by itself. It requires a daily decision to go out there and pull the weeds and the water and plant the seeds and cultivate the soil, whatever you guys do. I, I don't know all about, a, a lot about that stuff. But I know that you cannot leave a garden out there by itself. You have to tend to it. And you have to make a decision whether you want to or not. Some of you may enjoy going out to the garden, but for me, I do not like to pull weeds. But however, we would have, if I wanted a good garden, if I wanted one that would produce very well, then I would have to make a daily decision to make sure that um, I got out there and tended to it. Even your health is something very similar to your spiritual health. If I want good health, then I'm going to eat good food that promotes good health. If I want a strong spiritual life, then I'm going to feed my mind things that will promote spiritual growth. It's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to cause me to transform into something more and more Christ-like. You know, I would exercise every day if I wanted um, good health. I would have to make the conscious decision to exercise every day. And you've got to exercise your spiritual discipline of prayer, worship, and reading your word, and living out your faith on a day-to-day -day basis in order for you to cultivate strong uh, spiritual growth. What you put in is what you get out. It, just as it is in your spiritual walk, just as it is in almost everything within your life, you get, in, you get out what you put in. And so therefore, if we're going to be strong spiritually and to grow spiritually, we've got to feed ourselves what is required in order for us to gain that growth. Growing spiritually is a daily decision. It is the, it is the power of the will. Are you willing to make it a priority? Are you willing to make that desire a priority and decide daily that that's the goal that you're going to strive for. Three, number three. Number three, it requires a devotion to Christ. Growing spiritually is being devoted to Christ. Look at verse 14. It says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the, the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. He says the goal of, the spiritual, of spiritual growth is to know God more and to love him more and more and more. That's the goal. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God 
in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal. He's pressing towards what? The prize. The prize is being more like Christ. The prize is that transformation. The prize is living a life according to God's will and purpose so his will can be played out in the lives of the people around you. It's to be used by God. It's to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable unto God. That's the prize. That's the high calling that we're striving to make. And we have to make a daily decision to do that. And we must be devoted to Christ if we are, in fact, going to make that happen. We must make the choice every day to run the race and to win the prize. We must be devoting ourselves to the goal to become more and more like Jesus. We've got to press toward that. We have a goal in mind, and therefore we continually strive for that goal. We don't allow any other goals in our lives to trump that one. I'm not saying you can't have any other goals and other ambitions, but that must be the priority. This one can't be set aside. This one must, be, must require your complete and total devotion when it comes to spiritual growth. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us... As many, are, as many as are mature have this mind, this mind. He's asking for the mature Christians to be one in their mind. Now, if we jump down to verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, to the, the, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. He is wanting the children of God to come together and be unified within their mind, within their thought process, as those who are mature, to have this mind. If there's anything otherwise, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. But he is calling for unity here of the minds of the children of, of God, of the body of Christ. Now, how is it that we can have so many people together in one place and be of the same mind. How is that a possibility? In verse 16, it says, we walk by the same rule. What is our rule? It's the very word of God, right? If we as the children of God are not unified, then we're not on the same rule, are we? In order for children of God to, to, to even get to be unified, and, in to be, and to maintain the unification, it requires for all of us to be standing up on the very same foundation of the truth of the Word of God. And when we do that, we can be of the same mind. And whenever we continually renew our minds and we are transformed into Christ's likeness, we've all, we've all adopted the very same goal. We all have the end, mind, or the, the, uh, the end in, the, in mind. And therefore, whenever we continue to feed our minds and to renew our minds and become transformed, I like what he says, therefore, let us as many as are mature have the same mind. And as we mature in Christ... We'll see a likeness amongst the children of God, a unification there. And when we're unified in Christ, then we are able to really get some things done. The children of God, above all people, should be unified. Because we have an unchanging, unmoving standard upon which we can draw. And that's the truth of the word of God. And we all have the same relationship in Jesus Christ that we have, um, that, that we have together that also unifies us we have the same spirit that lives within us but unless we renew our minds 
and be transformed by the very Word of God and the things that we pour into it to become mature and be of the same mind, we'll never get there. So renewing our mind is a, is a very fundamental thing that we must adopt. We must be willing to, um, we must be willing to feed the desire to, um, to follow Christ above anything and all things, make the daily decision to, to, um, to pursue that goal, and ultimately be, de- be devoted to Christ in order for us to be in the same mind, in order for us to get the will of God done in the most efficient way possible. But we must make a choice every day to run the, way, to run the race, to win the prize, and devoting ourselves to the common goal. We must become more and more like Jesus. That's where the transformation comes. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 22. He kind, of put, he kind of puts it out there. In verse, um, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, excuse me. It says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Okay, does that make sense? He's talking about run like you're in a competition. Run like, run toward that prize as if there's only one to be had. Run to it. Run that race. He says, don't you know that all runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. You know, we strive for so many things in this world that are just not going to last. We strive for those things. We make those things our priorities. But in fact, the thing for which we need to strive for is that imperishable crown. Those treasures that will be laid in heaven that, are, that, uh, that will last forever. They're pure and they're holy, undefiled and will last for an eternity. Those are the things for which we need to strive for. Those things carry the most value, so, so therefore, they must only make sense that we give that our biggest effort. Strive for that. So, not, so, so, so do not run like one who runs aimlessly or boxes to beat the air. You have a goal in mind. Whenever it comes to serving Christ and having an end result, drive for that, strive for that, become like Christ. Make that your goal. Don't just, don't just take it up you know, aimlessly and, oh, well, I just don't have anything, and just being nonchalant and just kind of relaxing and everything. No, have a goal. Drive for it. That prize is being Christ-like. That prize is being a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable unto God. That is our prize. That is the call of God on our lives. He says, don't be one who, like, who runs aimlessly or box like beating the air. Instead, this is what Paul says, instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under, under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul himself is even expressing the fact that he must discipline himself. He's got to put his body under strict control and subject his life to the very word of, the, of, of God in order to serve God. To be transformed we must be willing to take in the word of God. We must feed the desire to be one of Christ's children as, as, as one who would be walking closely to him on a day-to-day basis. We must make a daily decision to be devoted solely to Jesus Christ. 
and that will gain us our spiritual growth. That is the keys to, being, to, uh, to growing spiritually, and it requires us to renew our minds with the very word of God. Now, in conclusion here, and as we close, the question I want you to ask yourself and to really kind of take, take note here, is God your passion? Is God your desire? I'm not asking, do you have a desire to know Christ deeper? But is he your number one priority? Is that desire trump all things? If not, guess what? It's time to renew your mind. It's time to renew your mind. Make it a priority. You must make a daily decision to grow in your relationship with God. You've got to spend time in God's word. You've got to spend time in prayer and in worship and in fellowship amongst other believers. You've got to get involved with a Bible study. You have accountability partners. Whatever you need to do to press toward that goal. Make whatever changes you need to make and press toward that goal. Build a team and press toward that goal. Seek the goal of being devoted to Christ with all of your heart. Also ask you a question, what are the areas of spiritual growth that you need to improve? And we all know our faults, right? What are they? We need to correct them. If we know what they are, we need to actually put something into action to strengthen those areas. Renew your mind in those areas. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The question is, once we identify them, what are we going to do about them? We're going to do something about them this week. That's going to be your challenge. Find out where your weaknesses are. Pray about them. Say, God, help me in this area. Renew, say, God, renew my mind here. Renew, renew everything about my priorities. Help me to make you my priority. Help me to discipline my body and put it under strict control for your honor and your glory. I want my body to be used for you. I want to be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable unto you. I want to please you. Do not neglect your spiritual life. Grow spiritually. Renew your mind. Let's stand and have a hymn of invitation. Father, we want to thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word again. Father, as we kind of ponder of what your word has taught us today, may it be something that we have an understanding and we want to surrender our lives to you. God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Give us the correction that we need, Father, and help us to be disciplined into following your leadership in this, whatever that may be, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, it's good to be here this morning. I'm glad everyone came out. So remember, we have our business meeting at 5 o'clock, and, um, and hopefully we'll have time to work through our book as far as